Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. On today's episode of Real Trending, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Harma Hartuni. He's the operating partner of Keller Williams Realty in Sino Sherman Oaks, and also the team leader of Harma Real Estate in California. And he's been uh, given the honor of being ranked on Real Trends America's Best Rankings and also on the Real Trends Nation's Best Broker Rankings. So both his team and his brokerage are on our rankings. And he has got a fascinating story to tell about overcoming adversity. But I think the the most interesting information that he offers is about mistakes and lessons learned recruiting and retaining agents. He has around 400 agents. And he kind of came to this idea that he really needs to balance out the the listings with the, the buyers. So the sellers and the buyers. And he goes into his strategy, and I think it's a really interesting strategy. So enjoy the next edition of our podcast. This is Tracy Velt, Managing Editor for Real Trends, now owned by Housing Wire and HW Media. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Harma Hartuni, operating partner of Keller Williams Realty in Sino, Sherman Oaks, and the team leader of Harma Real Estate in California. He'll be talking to us about overcoming adversity and using it to propel you forward. He was ranked number 67 large teams by volume and number 62 by transaction sides by the 2020 Real Trends America's Best Rankings. Keller Williams Realty Encino Sherman Oaks is ranked in the 2020 Real Trends Nation's Best Brokerage Rankings as well. So growing up in Iran during the Iraq War, he and his family were no strangers to bombs going off around them each night. After almost dying in a car accident, he had to relearn how to walk. And then after coming to America, he chose to come out as a gay Middle Eastern man. He's known adversity, yet is thriving in his real estate career. That's because he took that adversity and turned it into a passion for success. So welcome, Harma. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, like I said, there's a lot to unpack. So we're going to really start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your time in um, Iran and your move to America. Um, thank you. I was born in in the U.S. in Hollywood Hospital. I was 30 days old. My mom moved back to Iran. And uh, when she, that she moved was the revolution just happened. So they took the American passports away and and I couldn't leave the country back until I was 18, 19 years old. Um, at age of um, 18, I was in a university. I had a car accident 
and um, I hit a car face to face. My car got totaled. I walked out of my car waiting for the police to get there and another car hit me and my both legs broke. Um, it took me 11 months of recovery straight in my bed um, and I moved to the US right after and I never looked back and um, I have no desire to go back. Okay, great. So you're operating partner of the Keller Williams firm and a team leader. So tell me about your path to real estate. Um, how did you get into it once you moved here? So in my culture, it's extremely important to become a lawyer, doctor, attorney, something like that. So you can make them proud and being a real estate agent is not necessarily one of the fields, you know, so that um, they, they, they don't approve of. So I, Moved here first and I brought my brother and sister and um, coming from a very successful father, um, I had to go to school and, you know, just prove him that I can be the, I was going to be a dentist. And um, one day um, I just realized how broke we were and we lived very uh, poorly compared to especially what we came from. So I had a, I made a decision that I'm going to stop my school or go part-time um, dental school and I'm be, I will become an agent, assistant to an agent, actually. A very successful real estate broker in, in Glendale hired me. I honestly begged him to hire me. And I became his assistant. And I sold 21 homes the first year in real estate. And then I was like, why on earth? I'm going to be a dentist And um, when I just love this. And I can make a lot more money. And I, three years after that, I left him. I started with the Keller Williams in a different city, Studio City. And my life changed after that. I took a leadership role and, and I grew to where it is today. It's okay. Been... What what year did you start with Keller Williams? 2005. Okay, great. So you've been there a while. Um, so you've talked a lot about adversity in your life and, and I want to know how you've um, come through that and what drives you and what is your why? It's a, this is an awesome question. I usually ask people, especially if I coach them and the first two or three session takes hours to get to know someone's big why. And obviously I should be prepared for this, but I can, um, I can divide it like this. When I started real estate, I had, um, I was so competitive. I wanted more. I wanted to build something. And uh, now today I have three kids and I believe all I want right now for my kids to grow up, to walk in the area I'm in and tell them Harma was my father. And people will say Harma, like that's my big why, right? So I want to have that impact. So going back, I'm like, what was my big why before the kids? Um, I think initially started to prove to my father that I can do it and do it better and bigger. And then throughout the process of being successful, quote unquote, I lost the big why of him, I just enjoyed it because it wasn't the result that it's a success to me, it's the process. And so it's been 18 years, 15 years in this business um, in Williams, 15 years. It just, um, my big why started with something I, most people say that's a big, uh, the wrong why. And um, it wrong or right, I, I had it. And now it's my family. Okay. I don't ever think there can be a wrong or right why. I mean, it's it's personal to everyone. So, so that's interesting. And you say that you coach and mentor other agents. Tell me a little bit about that. And do you specialize in a certain um, topic, or or what do you what do you do? I have um, 
learn and leverage the KW model when I started how to build a team. And I have failed miserably many, many, many times on it. And I have learned what are the things not to do. So I use all of that. I have a journal about that, um, maybe a book one day. I have been coaching people how to build a team. So if you, and also I, you know, have great success stories getting foreclosures and REOs in a down market and be able to build a business with market is going down. I started a Keller Williams franchise as a team leader when market was, I was recruiting a 22 million in production agent and she will only do 5 million because she just couldn't keep up with the changes. So learn through, through all that. I, I, now my passion is, is not money. It's just changing lives around me. And, and also I, I, at one point I have over a thousand agents. I learned that you cannot make all the agents do what you want. They like to want it. They want to do it, but they don't do it. So the bottom line is that if I can just put those thoughts out there and teach them what to do so they can prepare for upcoming market, which I believe we will have that change sooner or later, um, the coaching on team building, building wealth through your own license, not just using that. I wish someone told me when I was 25 years old, I got my license that buy and create wealth for yourself. I didn't know. So if I see young generation right now, that's my goal to help them with that. Okay. I want to um, explore your your team um, lessons learned a little bit. What are some of the, the you know, mistakes you think you made and, um, that others can learn from right now? I can give you bullet point bunch of them. One is very slow in a hire and very fast in Mm -hmm. de-hire. Have them self-discover they're not a right match. Number three, I will suggest that you ask these questions every single time you're challenged. Knowing what you know about this person, going back to the first day, will you hire them? If the answer is no, you fire them that day. You don't wait for five days. Um, you are helping them to move on. You're helping yourself to move on. If you're a successful real estate agent, I'm talking about in California, especially, you don't need seven people in your team. Uh, you didn't need a very good assistant because what happens, I notice the pattern successful agents will hire a junior agent and then they become their assistant and then junior agent supposed to sell and the production drops. So you need to stay on a sales role, you can't become the broker of your own team. That There's no income in that. It's exciting, it looks cute from outside, but definitely there's no income. Um, hiring someone that it's extremely smart and they studied, went to the best university, not necessarily means they're going to have a common sense or they will be loyal. And the last thing is being uh, dependable. If you don't have dependable, associate with you, you're just not going to make it. And um, real estate, it's a roller coaster for a lot of people. They go up and down. They're not consistent. So when you have three, four escrows and in California, in LA, it's like called million uh, millionaire agent. They're like, oh, I have three escrows. So I think you should just stay humble and um, not focus on how to close the deal, focus on opening more transactions. And that's where you can skip the up and down off the roller coaster. So, and honestly, the list can go on and um, happy to share more if you want. Yeah, that's great. I think some of those apply to um, brokerage leaders as well as team leaders. Um, you know, they're, they're recruiting and hiring new agents. Um, and have you noticed 
a, obviously you're probably having inventory issues in California. It's all around the United States. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing to help agents and your team, um, you know, get more listings? Because, you know, it's kind of one of those vicious cycles where, you know, people don't want to sell because there's nothing available to buy, but there are some tactics that can be done. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Two years ago, I predicted a change. Obviously, I had no idea what COVID is, and I didn't know how that will impact us. But I knew that we're going up, going up, that will change. Even though right now it looks like we're going up, I think we're going to have a bump eventually. So I personally, as a broker of an office, right now I own one franchise with two locations, around 400 agents, been focusing on farming. Um, if you look at the top 150 agent in LA County, no matter their age, their gender, their color, their religion, they have one thing in common. They use their database and they farm. They're expert in one area. So what we did, we picked 25 agents every year and two times. So we have around 50 of them, they're actually active, that they farm in specific home areas. Our office market share, we're the number one in San Fernando Valley in market share in volume and unit close. And if you divide to our transactions monthly, it's 140, 140 closings, 10 or 15 of them are leases, five to 10 are commercial, the rest are residential. If you take the residential and divide it to half, half are buyers, half are sellers. So I, as a broker, believe that we need to make sure that 50-50 always applies because that's a healthy. So no matter what market we're getting into, we have that. If you are um, new in the business and you are unfamiliar with this inventory to you is very low, you have to learn three things. One, how to find a motivated seller ready to go and have the skill set to find them something else to go to because that's the challenge. Number two, if the property is listed, build an extremely good relationship with the listing agent, write an offer that is bulletproof so you can skip the other eight, five, 10 offers on the table. And number three is, this is my biggest philosophy in hiring and transactional. Once I open an escrow, I want to close this. I am not canceling because I'm not going back to that. And I said the same thing on a panel many years ago. I said, when I meet in front of a recruit, I am have if, if I find them match and we're good together, they're joining in there. I am not getting back on cold calling. I can't stand it. Even though I do it, it's not something I skip, but I just don't like it. So um, I think if you are as an agent, um, Gary Keller many years ago said, opportunity rises for talented people in a tough market. So if you are withdrawing just because the market tells you to withdraw, I think you will not survive in the upcoming market. Yeah, definitely. And that, that pertains to brokers too. The brokers um, who are expanding right now, expanding their market share or looking for opportunities are going to be the most successful. It, you know, it kind of coincides with the last downturn we had, different, totally different circumstances. And we're not in a downturn right now, but there are a lot of opportunities out there um, that an unfortunate pandemic actually opened up. So, right. so that's interesting. I'm going to get a little personal here because we've talked a little bit at the very beginning about some of your past trauma um, and that, and I want to kind of talk about that because there were a couple things. First of all, you know, growing up in, in Iran, 
then um, talking about your car accident and and how horrible that was coming to America and then coming out um, as a gay Middle Eastern man. So tell me a little bit about how you've come through that, some lessons learned through those experiences and how you're applying them to your current, um, you know, success. Very great question. I believe, let me, let me rephrase the question. I, I, with your question, I'm going to answer with a question, and I promise you I expand on that. The question is, why would a lot of people, I'm not the only one, have challenges, right? And some stories of others have, either they don't share because they're ashamed or they don't have the opportunity to share. It can be even bigger than mine, but yet maybe they didn't have the bigger impact in their career later. And question is, why did I have that? Why? How, how man, did I manage to get that? And I will say, I... This is very, um, the, this is not the best answer, but it is, I'm very lucky for a sense that I have no option. I literally had no option. So if you go to an island and you burn all the boats that they got you there and you just have to build your own castle, you just don't look back. I moved here and I had a family and I needed to survive. I had an option to withdraw or do things and feel sorry for myself, but I didn't even have anyone to feel sorry for me. I had no one to go to. So I think if, if I had a parents, which is, by the way, if you have parents that they love you, you come out, they hug you, they throw, I hear people throw um, coming out parties. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't my case, but if you have that, that's, you're so lucky. But also I think I was lucky not to have that because I had to just move forward fast and build something so I don't starve and be able to support the family as well as build my own life around it. And having um, come out to myself um, was one of the reasons I think I withdraw from people around me because I didn't think they will accept me. So I created my own little island. And then obviously time passed and people around me started accepting me. Um, I, that's the best answer I can say. If you have options and you have a saving account and you are we have a challenge and you kind of feel safe, you're like, let me figure this out. I'll take my time. I didn't have that. It was like, today you get up and survive. Forget about what just happened to you. Yeah, definitely. And um, so you have a book coming out and, you know, obviously this is not um, a promotional podcast, but you, you mentioned reframing trauma in your book and so that you gain strength from it. And so tell me a little bit about how you isolate the pain and gain power. What, tell me about that principle that you, um, that you talked about in your book. When, when my accident happened, I was, um, you know, in a gymnastic for many years, I was a professional dancer. I worked so hard to get into university to make my family proud. And overnight that changed. I could not go to university. I could never dance again or do gymnastic. And, and it, I kind of like, I was new, I was born again to something new. And I was like, okay, now what? And that thought, that I'm going to start new, all I was thinking, I have to forget about what happened. So I have also throughout my childhood, if you read it a book, I have saw, had some trauma that, you know, I hope no kid will ever go through that. And I, I think it's, I have developed this skill set to move on very fast. If an assistant of mine who's been with me many years and decides to move on, I don't, I have a five minutes funeral, that's it, cry and move on. If I have an agent, so I don't, 
hold on to what happened, what am I going to do and cry over it for too long. That has translated a lot in my business. If I lose a listing, move on to the next one. If I have a um, challenging market, okay, when COVID hit, everybody was withdrawing. I have a lot of business partners in real estate, broker owners that I know, and they were like scared. And I just realized I have to do the opposite. I have to double down and hire more recruiters and bring a value proposition. I don't look back. I think so that's the trauma of my childhood. I I literally will block out. My partner, my life partner will say, oh, I remember when I was five years old, my dad did this in UK. And I'm like, I don't even remember when I was 15. So I obviously developed to block things. And I think good or bad, I have helped me to move on and just not get focused on the past. That's one of the chapter in the book that just past has happened, accept it but then move forward because you can't avoid it you can't deny it but just it's matter to accept it and move on yeah yeah definitely and and that kind of leads to my next question which is you know the pandemic has caused a lot of anxiety for real estate professionals and brokers um you know markets are doing well homes are selling um but business practices are changing and you know, there's definitely going to be some bumps in the road. So what advice do you have for real estate agents and leaders who are struggling right now? Um, I would suggest stay humble and don't assume anything goes up, stays up. Look at what happened in 2006. Look at the 10 years before that. No matter what reason is, it that nothing goes up forever, comes back down. So stay humble, save cash, take advantage of the changing market. I am, as help everyone to upgrade, buy an investment property, but more importantly, help yourself. We're in the business of uh, helping others as well as ourselves, not just others. So get, uh, if that's selfish, then become selfish, help yourself. Number three, I will say, be comfortable to be uncomfortable. If pandemic are not a clear reason for you to learn that you never know, but, and you've got to be ready to be uncomfortable, but yet opportunity will be um, around when things are changing. I believe next 10 years, real estate will change. Um, be okay with it. You, you The landscape is changing. You got to adapt. And as I said earlier, move on fast, don't fight it. But more importantly, if you adjust faster, maybe you grab a bigger opportunity and don't resist the process because there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, my last question is what keeps you up at night? What do you, what concerns you about real estate and where do you see the challenges and opportunities in the near future? Um, I'd say maybe this year, 2021. I I don't think um, stay holds I, I'll sleep well, except my three kids will, you know, wake me up that besides that I'm okay. But I, there's something that I'm very concerned. There are companies out there, I, I'm not sure if I should even name, but you will know there are companies that they will take our listings and sell the leads back to us, charge us, raise capital, and then develop a product that takes us out of business. Uh, that is last five years, if you look at it, makes real estate agent professionals um, not as important as the process. So if you're young like me, when I started, I have focused on building relationships, sell homes to parents, the daughters when they graduate and on and on and build a business out of it because I'm good at what I do. 
and knowledge and experience grows as you build. I, I think that real estate has changed last five years that becomes agents don't matter as much and consumers can find do what they want which is i'm not against the technology i think but agents need to be valued more i'm lucky enough i have i am good if i don't work i'm passionate about what i do but i'm very concerned that if this continues what will happen to the younger generation that they want to build a business out of real estate um and that affects our um, professional industry yeah, um, you'll be interested to know we did a Harris Insights and Real Trends um, did a consumer study. And uh, ironically, the younger generation was more likely to use a real estate agent than the baby boomers were. So that's that is good news. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think ultimately you need that. You need the trust. You need the eye contact. Yeah. Humans are te telepathically looking at each other's eyes and they decide they want to go on a date, they want to have a baby, they want to buy a house, all, all that. And if you take that away, eventually it's going to come back. But the question is, we're funding our own the challenge. And right. we, as an agent, we need to think about that. Yeah, definitely. And it is, it's all about relationships and real estate for sure. And you, you work to build those and technology is just something you use to help you build those off, offline relationships. So definitely, yeah. Well, thank you. You're, you're quite an inspiration and a wonderful success story. I really love um, hearing the stories of realtors and brokers around the country. And, and you've got a, a great one. I hope you have a lot of success with your book. Um, thank and you. thanks for joining the Real Trending Podcast. Thank you, Tracy. You're awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.